This is David Lloyd, editor of There's Only One F in Fulham, and you are listening to the fabulous Fulham Focus podcast. game what a start to the season we're now having it's a black and white spaghetti western beating the 32 year old Brentford at home voodoo won our first top tier London derby in eight years beat them in our first top tier flight encounter for the record books made Ivan Tony look silly in his mocking his superior twice with the superior in Mitrovic ripping the sting out of those pesky bees in the 90th minute honey everywhere undefeated five points on the board and back to the bus stop you go with me to talk with more detail are Baldo and the infamous Danny. Let's have some fun. Fulham. Well, guys, that was such a day, wasn't it? I'll go straight to you first, Danny, mate. What were your thoughts on this game and the result? Yeah, first of all, I didn't think uh, the weekend could get any better, but you've just made my day with that intro, so fair play. Well played, <laughs> J-Mac, well played. Thanks. Yeah, no, outstanding. Um yeah, what what a brilliant start to the season! Absolutely buzzing. I mean, I think some fans were pessimistic, understandably so, going into the season because of how we've uh, started the last couple of times we've been in the Premier League. A little bit slow getting signings in, but Silver's done incredible. You know, considering uh, the injuries we've had um, to utilise the squad the way he has, and you know, Liverpool at home, uh, Wolves away. I think. Anything in them two games is a bonus. And I think that's not just because we've just been promoted. I think that's realistic for most teams. But then the pressure's on going into that West London derby. You know, the first one in the Premier League. Um, obviously, the last time we played them uh, was the playoff final. So there's a lot of lot riding on it, a lot of, mo- of motion there. But a lot of pressure because that's the kind of game we have to go and win if we are going to stay up. And had we not, it maybe would have overshadowed the the first couple of points, really, because they're bonus points. This is the bread and butter. So to get five, I, I think it's the best we possibly could have asked for. And what can I say? Marco Silva, absolute genius. 100 percent i gotta say now now we actually got the three points and at the cottage uh, the sort of the missed opportunity of liverpool and wolves now doesn't seem as harsh as it once was baldo you old hound how are you doing how's america what are your thoughts on this game i'm pretty good i'm i'm ecstatic uh mainly because this was the first time um i mean obviously the win is fantastic but there's a little bit extra to it because this is the first game that my fiance actually decided to sit down and watch with me because she is not by far not a soccer you know, soccer fan as it were She's you know, very tired of, you know, oh, nobody scores. There's all these draws and everything. So it was a fantastic game for her to actually sit down and, and watch it with me, you know, an eventful game. And, you know, I don't know whether or not she, that counts her as the lucky mascot now, whether or not I'm going to have to make her sit and watch every single game now. I'm pretty sure she's not thrilled with that idea. But overall, it was a fantastic result. And as you say, start of the season, three games unbeaten, better than probably where most fans would have expected us to be. You can't, you can't knock you, you can't complain. 
Well, you say you can't complain. I mean, talking about the lineup when we first looked at it, I mean, there were some negative thoughts, weren't there, Danny? I mean, I, I remember a lot of people on Twitter anyway saying that, you know, this is ridiculous, Marco Silva hasn't been back, this is all Tony Khan's fault, etc., etc. What were your thoughts when you first saw that lineup? Because I feel like, personally, you know, we've been so unlucky with injuries to say that, you know, he hasn't been backed isn't the, quite the right answer. I looked at the bench, if I'm honest, and I thought, whoa, we are short. We are really short of a squad here. Right. Um, and I know we have got a couple of injuries, but it it just, it it worried me a little bit, I must admit. Having said that, I'm going to contradict myself here. I was positive. Even, you know, with Stansfield, I was really happy to see Stansfield get his chance. And the way Bobby Reid has played lately and all, all the others, I, I was optimistic that we was going to get a result in the game. I was just a bit like, oh, if plan A don't work, what's plan B with that bench? And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's one of them where had we lost all three games, then I think the, um, the outcry of how slow the transfer window has been and uh, the lack of options on the bench would have been a bit, a lot more. But yeah. because we went and Silver has basically, in a way, bought the club more time with transfers because of the, the start we've made has almost made it irrelevant. So it's all on him for me. The, the attitude of the team, the mentality. I mean, you know, this is the... I, I just looked. This is the um, first time in Premier League history that Fulham have gone uh, not conceded Sorry, not been behind at any stage in the first three games of the season. In any Premier League season we've been in, this is the first time in the opening three games we've not been behind at any stage. It's also only the second time we've been unbeaten after three games. The other time was Mark Hughes' team, who went seven unbeaten, but six of them were draws. Um, And um, other than 2003-04, when we was... Still in the hunt for Champions League football, we were fourth going into Christmas. Uh, that was the year Sahar was absolutely unbelievable for half a year. And 2008-09, when we got our record finish of seventh and qualified for Europe, they are the only two seasons we have taken a better points return from the first three games. We took six in both of them. Mm. Five is the next best. So, I, I just... Honestly, how can you... You, we, we can sit here, we can, you know, pretend to be experts, we can pretend, talk like fans, we can do whatever you want. But nobody can criticise the job Marco Silva has done. It is perfect, really, given everything. And I'm just, I, I'm, I'm actually even more happy than I was last year, because last year there was expectation. I expected Fulham to be top. But this year, it's just, mm. he's, he's exceeding all expectations. But I'm not surprised because I think he's an outstanding manager. I completely agree, mate. And when you refer to Stansfield's start, I mean, what a role he had in this game. He was playing as a right winger, but almost like a second striker off the ball. What were your thoughts on his game here, Baldo? He had one moment, I think, where he actually blocked a shot from Rico Henry at one point. Just a really good full-on debut from him, wasn't it? It was. Um, you know, whether you want to count it as you know, a Premier League debut, yes, because he's... He's had a couple of League Cup and uh, FA Cup appearances here and there. Sure, but I think, but I think when you look at you know, the, especially the occasion, I think as well because that was a that was a move that sort of came out of nowhere. I don't think anyone could have expected Jay Stansfield to be starting you know, to be starting this game, especially in the way 
in the way that he did. But he rose to the occasion superbly. I don't think anyone can really criticise you know, what he did. It kind of reminded me of, I remember, it was his second game. It was Corley Woodrow. Uh, that game against Newcastle in the season we went down 13-14. It was, here's a youngster who's come you know, somewhat through our academy. Um no season, no season. The opportunity and actually making proving to himself, he may not be a regular first team player in the Premier League, but if we need him, I wouldn't be against using it. Now I'm not saying you know if Mitrovic gets injured or is out for a month, and we have a spell of games against Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City, or whatever. Oh yeah, let's get Stansfield leading the line. I wouldn't be confident with that, but if we need him for the odd for the odd game, I'm not. I'm not too disappointed with that, especially because we're getting contribution and goal contributions from elsewhere, as this as this uh, game against Hounslow Town proved. Yeah, I agree with that. And I mean, we'll come on to later of, of options for Mitrovic as the sort of transfer links heat up. Danny, I mean, Bordeaux was mentioning like, you know, the stakes of the game and what it meant to us. I mean, the, the first half, I mean, the first half seemed like pretty much our game, didn't it? And I would say the second half seemed like it was theirs. Um they, I mean, they went to a back five in the second half and they grew more control of the game. I mean, it, I think that was probably the most aggressive start I've seen from us for quite a while, especially maybe in a derby. Is that? Is, do you reckon that's the fire of the derby? Did did we want it more than them, would you say? And just, you know, or did we play into Brentford's hands when they went into a 4-3-3? Just your thoughts on generally the derby and just how you saw the game as a whole. I, d- I don't think it mattered that it was a derby. I think the team's full of confidence and, and I'd expect Silva to want them to start like that in every game. We did the same against Liverpool. Um, I think what you'll find is that we we start strong. Um, you know, we set the tone for the game. We dictate how the game's going to be played. Intimidate them, if you like, through our aggressive stance. You can't do that for 90 minutes. It's impossible. Mm. They, uh, we will burn out. So there are periods in the game where we reserve our energy and it feels like the other team are getting more of a foothold in the game. In that respect, the Liverpool and the Brentford games were quite similar. Um, but but what you find when we, we do sort of like take our foot off the gas and, and you know, re- uh, recharge our batteries, we're a nice compact unit. Reed and Polina are in there. Uh, everyone working hard off the ball. And I, I just think he's got the tactics spot on. Uh, it's high risk. You know, I think, I think it's not going to be long before we get our red, first red card because um, uh, of the way we play. Um, it won't be long before we we get caught out eventually. Maybe we go a bit too um, adventurous and get caught out. But I could much prefer that to what it was um, before, under Scott Parker. And, and ironically, I didn't mention this when I read the stats out, the only season in our Premier League history that we've had zero points after the first three games was the one, the last one under Scott Parker. So there you go. I think that tells a go. massive story. There you go. I'm so happy with where we are. And, I've, you know, Thomas Frank did well uh, with his tactics. I think he's a good coach, good manager. Uh, he, he went free at the back. And I think that sort of, I think that took Stansfield out of the game a little bit because he was a bit out, we was a bit outnumbered up front. And they started winning the yeah. midfield battle. But then that made it one all one tactics. And then, Mbabu comes on, Kearney comes on, gives us a bit of energy, a um, bit more dyna- dynamism down the uh, wing, and we end up nicking the winner. So 2-1 to uh, Silver on tactics for me. And interesting that you mentioned red cards, actually. So while all this started, you obviously had Jay Stansfield assisting Bobby Reed with the goal in the opening 
God knows how many seconds. Amazing start. Then, obviously, you have Paulinha scoring a beautiful heading goal, which is obviously fantastic for set pieces, as you were saying to me earlier. But I will say that what's very interesting is that the challenge on Ben Mee afterwards, some would say, might have been a red card. And I remember someone specifically saying to me recently that Paulinha might... We love him. We love how he breaks up play and he's literally sort of like a Premier League, Champions League version of a Kevin McDonald. But he does have an ability to maybe be a bit too rough and tumble the style that we're doing. I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing. I just want your thoughts on this, Boulder, and what you thought on that challenge on Ben Mee. Um, the Ben Mee challenge, I think it was certainly one... It was... If there had been a red card, I th- if you sort of put this the other way, if it had been Ben Mee making that sort of thing on... Uh, on Pauline, on on Pauline, you would think he should be getting a red card. And I think on another day with another referee, I could understand why a red card could or would be given. So I think I'm not going to say he got he got lucky with got Vlajos, but I think lucky is probably the best is probably the best way to put it. I think you know you say he's you know he's a Champions League Premier League Kevin McDonald, and he's got a bit of a feisty side. I think it's just going to be a case of controlling it and making sure he does it in the right moments. Because like, we don't want him to, you know, go in and have a challenge like that, you know, the week before we play, before we play in Manchester City, for instance, where, you know, we probably would probably would lose anyway. But he'd be a good way to damage limitations, as it works. We want to have a, a good barrier in front of the in front of the back five. So I think there is a player there. I think it's just a case of controlling it. Obviously, I you know I'd much rather it be a case of let's hold him back rather than ask him to give us more. But it is just one of those things we just have to be a bit careful or. Just accept that he's not going to be with us for you know, probably five games a season with the amount of suspensions he, he very well could rack up. Yeah. What were your thoughts on this, Danny, mate? Because to be honest, I just can't believe that Norgard didn't get a yellow or a red, at least, for his studs-up challenge and Jay Stansfield. It was a fucking horror show, that was. What were your thoughts on just generally the sort of those two fouls and just basically how you think Paulini is getting on? Because I just I loved his reaction when we scored the winner. He just like absolutely slamming the sideboards and just get like taking the hand of one of the fans. Just brilliant. Well, I think the Norgard one's a horrible tackle. You know, it's, it's it's not nice. It's a nasty touch challenge, you know, and he looks like he's that kind of player to me. He's got that streak in him to leave a foot in. Um, so, yeah, I think that was probably a red card. Um, the Polina one, I thought watching it live at the game, uh, you know, I know we, sh- we sh- you know, Brentford are our rivals, but I was a bit concerned for Ben Mee at first. I, I thought it was a disgusting challenge, uh, one that he, right. he, he had no right to make. That's watching it live, obviously seeing it, in replays, he doesn't lead with his elbow. He literally just he just jumps into him. But watching it live, the force he he went into him, and he was never going to win the header. And it was probably a booking because he literally just jumps into him. But I thought it was a stupid thing to do, and that's the problem we're going to have with him. I think he's an unbelievable player. I love his enthusiasm. Love his passion. You know, I think Fulham fans have fallen in love with him already. But you might he's a type of player that you might as well give him a yellow card before he even enters the pitch because he's going to get one. Um, and I, I think that's also down to the tactics as well because if you look at the challenge Kenny Tete made when he dived in and got booked against Liverpool, and there's quite an, a few um, scenarios where the likes of Ream and Robinson have anticipated... The, the ball coming forward and nipped in ahead of the player they're marking and, and, and read the ball. Now, it's great that they're anticipating that and we want to play on the front foot, but there will be times where they get them challenges wrong. 
So I feel like we are a little bit of red card waiting to happen, but I don't think you change it. I think it works. I think you only change it if it starts to become a, a problem where it's costing us loads of points in a row. You know, I don't think we should make drastic changes if Polina gets sent off against Arsenal. I think we carry on. But if it becomes a problem where we get like loads of players sent off or we concede loads of goals in a stupid amount of time, then we might have to address it then. But for now, loving the style and we just got to be a little bit careful. Yeah, I mean, Boulder, basically, before this, Danny explained beautifully what happened in the game in terms of how we were very good in the first half and how we lost control in the second when they decided to go five at the back instead. And also, obviously, of course, after that, how we changed the game in our favour and Tom Kearney, which is brilliant, is used to us now in the Premier League sort of standard is very interesting because I like how he changed the game for us, obviously, with Mbabu as well. But obviously, when Brentford were um, on the on the up, you had two goals scored by them and we were worried then that this was going to be another situation like Leicester in their opening game where they suddenly crawl back and then might even get a winner um, and obviously you have Ivan Tony doing the same celebration as Mitrovic and um, you know the first one's offside which is hilarious and then the uh, the second one he falls over prior to actually doing it again and you <laughs> recently it's come out in the Athletic and obviously other news outlets Andrew, Andrew, Alexander Mitrovic has said you know um, he said that He's probably Ivan Tony's idol. Um, he used to play with me in Newcastle and he was my boy. And I just like your overall thoughts on that sort of dynamic and just generally how you thought Ivan Tony played and if he's all as you expected him to be. Well, I think in credit to, you know, this is this might arguably be one of the biggest, biggest mistakes that um, uh, our director of football made is, you know, if you believe the, the, the chat that he had with the Peterborough guy on, on Twitter, is that, you know, we were right. looking at Arvitoni, we we looked to make a move for him, but we didn't in the end. I can't remember if we went for someone else or just said, oh, I wasn't, it was too much money or whatever. But we were in for Tony because the guy confirmed it. it. If you look at, you know, what we've got, that would be a perfect, you know, one-two punch as a, as a Premier League team. If we had Mitrovic starting Tony, Tony backing out, you know, whether or not he, Will be willing to back up. Maybe we change formation, put them both together. Whatever. It is. I do think he is a very good player. You now, even if he does play for, if he does play for that lot, but it does just go to show. And this is something I've sort of been saying for a while. I can't remember when it all started. I think it might have been sort of around the time everyone was. Uh, I think it was our first time back in the Premier League. Just let's just calm it down. Wait until things play out first before you. You know, end up embarrassing yourself, and that's exactly what what Ivan Tony did. He embarrassed himself. Like you don't. You can't go with that. If it's a if it's a last minute thing, then go for it because you know there's not enough time for them to get back. But when there's when did he score? With about 20, 25 minutes to go, about that. You think there is enough time for you know Fulham to get back into the game, and we did. So you are just setting yourself up to be embarrassed, and that's and that's what we did. I just want to make one one quick point on Tom Kearney, who you sort of referenced it. I think we have found his role in the team now, and that is similar to what uh, Karagunis was when he first joined us is I like to uh, sort of picture him as a closer in baseball. So once you've got the results you need, you just bring on someone else. You just bring someone in just to control the game, help you know, shore things up. I think that's what that's what Karagunas was in his first season. I think that's what Tom Kenny is now. I don't see him starting on a regular basis. But I just think if you want to bring him on in the game and then just you know, slightly dictate play, and you know if you're chasing the game, he can create something for you. If you're closing them down, he can slow the board. He can slow the game down. I think that's what his role is now. I don't see him as a regular starter, but I think as an impact sub off the bench, even if it's such a field role, I still think he could do that incredibly well. 
Well then, we, I mean, Danny obviously talks about the impact of Tom Kenny and Mbappé when he come on, and Mbappé, 90th minute, peach, peach of an assist. Mitro, last minute winner, flies like a salmon. It doesn't get any better than that, does it, Danny? I mean, I I leapt from my <laughs> from my picnic table when I was walking my dogs in the parks. So I couldn't make the game. I was with my in-laws, and I just absolutely screamed. What? How how did you feel when that went in, mate? What what an end to a game! What brilliance! I mean, it's just like one of the, the, the great Premier League moments, you know, already this season, you know, uh, and like, I, I don't know how to describe it. You know, it's, it's obviously scoring an injury time winner is absolutely amazing to do it against them even better. But just for the most important thing for me, and this is the long term vision, just it's relief that Mitrovic is still flying high, still on com- in you know good confidence, maintaining his form because he missed an absolute sitter mm. about ten minutes earlier, uh, or before they. I think it was before, missed a few chances they equalised. Yeah, but the, yeah, but the one where it was gifted to him, where they passed it to him, and he was one on one, and uh, Raya saved yeah. it. He should have scored that. And you know, if he had come off the pitch knowing that we'd drawn two two, throwing the game away again, and he missed that chance added on to the fact that we dropped points against Wolves because he missed a penalty, suddenly that confidence, that's he might start doubting himself. And then and then if he loses confidence in himself, then we're knackered because we will absolutely need him. If, if ever a team needed someone, it's us with him. Um, so to, that for me, it was more relief. But I'm also pleased for him because, you know, you, like you, you touched on the Tony thing, you know, this, this guy, I mean, the only thing he can claim to have achieved in his career is is breaking the record for the championship, and he doesn't even have that anymore because Mitrovic smashed it. I don't understand the disrespect Mitrovic gets. You know, to score forty three goals in last season, he scored eleven when we was in uh, the Premier League under um, Slav. Uh, uh, you know, and the others, and he's he's the all time record mm. goal scorer for his country. You know, what more does he have to do? And and you've got somebody mocking him who hasn't who isn't even capped at inter- yeah. international level. I mean, how many goals has Tony scored in the Premier League? I think he looks like a very good player, don't get me wrong. But come on, he only scored, know your place. Yeah. You know, don't mock someone. Don't mock someone who's had a better career than you before you've already before you've made it. Go, if he goes to Chelsea and he becomes a world-class player, do what you want then. You've earned the right, I suppose, to be a bit arrogant. But don't do it when you play for <laughs> Brentford. Come on, even he knows, even he knows playing for Brentford's not that great. You know, we've seen it on social media. So don't start mocking a player that's achieved yeah. more than you. You know, and he got what he deserved. You know, one, one, one good player with no class and one brilliant player with all the class in the world. As much as shows. I love to agree with you, I started to get a bit fearful of how everyone is now starting on social media at least to start stop saying that Mitro can't do it in the Premier League. And it's just like, I'm worried that they're, they're slowly clocking on that he's as brilliant as we all know he is. And actually, if you put Mitrovic in a top six team with the assistance of the quality of a top six team, you'd actually do very, very well. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm a bit nervous about that, but I, I completely agree with what you're saying. And I think Tony actually has only improved Mitro's Premier League record by one goal. He scored 12 goals last season and five of them were penalties, I believe. So, you know, I, I think Mitro actually probably will get more than that this season, but that's just a hunch that I don't want to jinx. Otherwise, it won't, it won't happen. <laughs> but yeah. Listen, 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 David, don't stress that one day he might, he, he might one day he might leave because he's an amazing player. 
just be grateful he's here now. Sure. Because we're lucky to have him. And he's one away from 100 now, right? He's one away from 100. He's just... Every, every game, every goal he scores, he, he, he writes his name even further into Fulham folklore as a legend. Like, you know, he's, he's an unbelievable player. And we just be grateful and enjoy having him. Don't worry about when he might leave. All right, and so let's move on to the man of the match, which wasn't Mitrovic, actually. It was Andreas Pereira. And this guy, you know, dubbed as the preseason Perlo, as we keep saying on every pod. But it turns out for us, he might be starting to become actually the, the season Perlo. I mean, that's obviously a bit of an exaggeration in when you think about it technically. But I just like your thoughts on his performance, Baldo, and if you can see something happening there. Because he seems to be a player, not that I was expecting, not your classic number 10 and not necessarily a classic number 8, just somewhere in between. He's quite, he's having a very... Very interesting role, and you can see that Marcus Silva magic that Danny likes to talk about having on him. I think he's showing you in brief in brief glimpses why we bought him and why he is, I'm going to say heir apparent because I'm assuming he's going to be older, than Fabio Carvalho. If you look at the way Fabio Carvalho played last year, and what, you know, what we want, the runs into the ball, because he had that, I think, again, in the first like 10 minutes or so, he made a perfect run just on the you know on the um it would be Brentford's right hand side, our left hand side of the attack. And it's made and you just I just looked at that thinking, that's it. That's perfect what we want. We don't want runners off Mitrovic and he's gonna be the guy to do it. So you think you no, know, he's getting used to obviously getting used to playing with us and playing in our system and everything. You said give it a little bit more time, you know, this is probably the, you know, if he'd have been brought in a couple of weeks earlier, maybe he'd you know, be a little bit more just and be able to fit into the system. But you can see clearly there there is a player there who can do something in the who could do something in the Premier League. Obviously I would have liked Fabio Carvalho to be doing that role. But Pereira, I think, you know, give him enough time. Now he's not going to be performing at the level of Carvalho because you know we were flying in the championship and we're going to be Again, not struggling, but well, we're not going to be as well in the in the Premier League as we were in the Championship. So I just think he's going to get maybe five goals. I think, which would be a, which would be a fair enough mm. return. So I think him and Mitrovic as a partnership together, you know, you know, with Pereira playing off Mitrovic, I think there, I think there is some there. You saw that with very brief glimpses on on Saturday. You saw that he gets, you know, he continues to play. He continues to um, he continues to play in the team and again just gets more used to it. And then hopefully the goals and the assists and everything will come along with that. Yeah, that's very interesting because Danny, I'll go to you with this. Your thoughts on Pereira, but also it kind of links in with he's not exactly the Fabio Carvalho molded that we wanted, but he, he's there's something else going on in terms of our speed and in terms of our style of play now. Um, a chart analysis chart that just came out recently showing that we're the highest in the Premier League in terms of fast and direct passes, and that's very interesting to me because. While we obviously were fantastic at passing and loved the chunk of possession last season, our possession now we're very happy to actually submit and not actually have much of. And there's something very nice going on in our style of play that I'm enjoying more than I've ever seen us play before because I love counter-attacking and I love actually sort of not actually always having the, the, the lion's share of possession because sometimes it can just feel a bit boring and a bit haunting of the old Parker Ball style. And I just want to know your thoughts on just basically Pereira and all I've mumbled on about with just the new style that we're adapting to in this league. Yeah, well, I think Polina stole the show in the, the first couple of the games, particularly the Liverpool one. Uh, but Pereira really coming to his own uh, against Brentford and you could really appreciate what his role is in the team. Uh, it comes back to what I said earlier about you can't be 
you know, running around 100 miles an hour, pressing, doing the higher press, getting in everyone's faces. You can't do that for 90 minutes. So, but in those spells when we are like that, he's perfect. He's the perfect foil for Mitrovic because he does a lot of the legwork for him. You know, there's a lot of times when he ends up as the highest man uh, pressing down the keeper. Um, and in that respect, it's ideal. It's very similar to Fabio. I think that's a good comparison, actually. Um, but when we don't have the ball and we are sitting back, it's not parking the bus. It, you know, it, it's it's being organised and compact and recharging our batteries. But then if you don't have an outlet, then you are just inviting the team on for the sake of it. We invite the team on with him being the ball carrier on the counter-attack. And there's no one else in the team, I don't, I don't think, that can run with the ball and get us up the pitch the way he can. So we saw an example of that with Rodak's fast kick out from the Liverpool game where we go from being under the under the cost to winning the corner within a matter of seconds. We saw it in the Brentford game um, when on the counter-attack in the second, late in the second half where he, he, he carried the ball from one end to the other to relieve the pressure. So I think he's going to be an important player. Um, I don't know if he'll last the whole season. I think he'll have dips. Can't see him being consistent, but... To be honest with you, yeah, I don't. I think we are Fulham. Like we, I don't think we can expect the world. I, I think um, he's proving to be a really good signing. And again, great, great work from Silva or whoever signed him. And you talk about the speed of road that there in the previous game. I just want to quickly. It would be really bad of us not to just talk about Leno's debut start for us. Uh, what were your thoughts on him this game, Baldo? I noticed that he was. I mean, obviously conceded two goals, but. Was able to kind of sweep quite well in order to keep the defensive higher line, but was quite. I, I mean, I felt comfortable to be honest. Even I, I felt more the goals we conceded were to do with slightly bad marking and defending rather than actual goalkeeping. Yeah, I think a lot of it does come down to it was his first. You know, it was his first game. There will be a lot of adjustments to be made. Like you look at the, you look at the uh, their first goal, for instance. Could it be a case of oh, he just didn't know who to point at to go and you know track the line or it could have just been a fabulous set piece for for Hounslow Town which I, I'd like to lean towards that but it's one of those marginal it could be sorted out and the second one again you think organisation positioning give it a little bit more time they'll come back to it so I'm not really worried about it obviously because we won so you can sort of gloss over a few things but you can see the upgrade from Leno, no, from Rodak to Leno. You know, I, I, I go on record saying that I do think Rodak is a goalkeeper for the, you know, the position we're trying to be, which is, you know, 13th to 17th. I think he's a good goalkeeper. But if you can improve on it, then go for it. And I think that's what Leno is. You know, what that's going to do for Rodak, whether or not we, you know, maybe maybe we sell him and have uh, Gazaniga as the backup goalkeeper, or if he's just going to be a very solid number two Whatever you know, whatever we work with, you know, I you know I can work with it because I do think you know Leno. I wasn't overly joyed at getting him because I think there were you know there are and there are still other areas of the team we need to improve on and should get a higher priority. But if that sort of showing is what we're going to get from Leno and the you know the promise that it shows, then you know maybe uh, as I'm sure everyone is going to be surprised to see that I may be wrong on that one as I often am, but. He could be, you know, he could be a very solid starter for us. Not quite the way Ariola was. I think, you know, Leno has probably stepped down from Ariola, but at least a solid Premier League goalkeeper for us, for us to have. Very nice, mate. Very nice indeed. All right. After this, we will talk about Crawley really briefly. Fulham. 
Right, guys, before we move on to a nice little special section with you guys, we're going to just quickly talk about the Crawley game in a couple of days. Um, chance to get some youth here involved, Danny? You know, you thinking we'll play? Just seems like everyone seems to think we'll have Duffy and Diop and maybe Larkesh and the, the usual mob. I mean, how? what are your thoughts on this game and just... It's all a bit pointless. I saw Silver come out saying we're going to treat this actually quite seriously. So who knows? Maybe you'll actually do a semi-strength side. I'm not sure. Well, I don't think it will do us any good to go out to a League Two team. Um, <laughs> no. I think, we've, I think we've got to approach the game with respect to Crawley. I don't think we should go there and think it's going to be a walk in the park. Uh, so they've got to be professional. But I don't see the point in, in entering a competition if you're just going to go out of it. What's the point? You know, then we'd go into the Arsenal game on the back of a defeat to a League Two team. How does that help anyone? Uh, so I think we've got to go into the game with momentum, try and keep that going. Another win would be great. Obviously, he's got to rotate the squad, especially with the injuries we've got. I mean, can you imagine if he played Mitrovic and he got injured? It'd be ridiculous. So he's got to, he's got to um, mix it about. Obviously, it's a good opportunity to see the likes of Diop and Duffy. We'd imagine that'll be the partnership at the back. Um Probably Harris will will get a go because he's another promising player that's highly rated. So yeah, would imagine we'll see some of him. Yeah, yeah. I don't really know what team he's going to play. I think in the you know the first round of the the league cup you enter is impossible to pick. It's like lineup bingo. It literally could be any one play. So, but a good opportunity to to see other players in the squad. And I expect no matter what team we play to get the job done. And I'm sure that will be the message from Silva. Start strong, get the game done. And then if need be, anyone that might be involved in the Arsenal game can come off early. Yeah, I think you make some good points there. And I think when it comes to team selection, I think we can still play some senior players. You know, you don't want to exactly put the whole under-18s or the whole under-21s there. You know, it's not going to be Jay Williams and who was that kid we had in pre-season? Odditeo? It's not, I don't think it's going to be that as a centre-back. But if you put you know, Duffy and Diop as your centre-back pairing, that's still a pretty solid pairing. You know, you'd think that against the, you know, against a League 2 Crawley, they should be able to get the job done, you know, at least solidify the back. And then maybe you could be a little bit experimental with, you know, with who you want going forward. I would imagine this would be a game for Stansfield to start. I imagine, you know, as you mentioned, Luke Harris, I'd be stunned if he doesn't get, if he doesn't get a go just because of how well he's been doing with the under-23s. Recently, you can make a, you know, a few touches. I remember Birmingham last game last season was when we had uh, Pajaziti, I think I think is how you pronounce his name. So we've shown that we, you know, Marcus Silva showed that he can experiment in time. And, you know, we had a couple of strong players in there last year. I've just looked at the squad, um, the lineup, you know, O'Doy was in there, Hector, Mawson, Cabano, Bobby Reed. So we had some, uh, Joe Bryan was in there as well. So we have had some senior players in there, but with a few youngsters sprinkled in. And I think that's what it's going to be this time around. So I imagine, you know, as I hinted at, Duffy and Giob would be a perfect back two to start with. And then up, and then moving forward, Harris, you know, Luke Harris, Jay Stansfield, maybe a couple of others, as you mentioned, Larkesh, um, Jay Mack could be could be another option. So I don't think it's going to be a full um, a weakened. It's good. Well, it's going to be a weakened side, but I don't think it's going to be a weak side uh, necessarily because I do think we have the strength and depth of the established first teamers and the youngsters coming through that I think should be able to get the job done. And what are your thoughts on the the general vibe of the League Cup, Danny May, or the Carabao Cup, as it's you know technically called? I mean, it's it's sort of. 
I don't know, is it a bit of a burden? I mean, I, we all want to do well in it. We obviously want to do well in the FA Cup, but we really want survival. And we, I feel like we have this conversation every time we, we come to the Premier League briefly. But just just your thoughts. It's sort of not really the same sort of fire as we, we would hope for, is it? Well, I think football changes all the time, uh, quite drastically over the last 20 years or so. I remember when we first got in the Premier League, you only had five subs on the bench. You know, there'll be fans out there listening, you know, hopefully older fans that will be able to remember when, you know, there was no subs at all. And now all of a sudden there's nine and you can make five subs. It's just, it's just ridiculous how much football has changed. I think there's a lot more international games, international breaks. Um, obviously players cost a lot more than they used to. So I think clubs are always going to be wary of, injuries and managers are under a lot of pressure nowadays to start well. I think the competition needs to evolve because I think it's a scheduling problem. Obviously, you imagine you you start a new season as Marco Silva does and and you think, right, we need to start well in the Premier League. And then you just shove a couple of the League Cup games at the beginning of the season on top of him. It's just like, what's he supposed to do? He's got to prioritise the league. So you're almost diluting the, the point of this competition by putting it where you put it. I think going forward, it, it should evolve. Um, the, the big clubs don't want it. Mm. You know, they, they obviously play a lot of games in Europe now. Um, I, I think if you enter, if you qualify for Europe, you shouldn't qualify for it. It should be for everybody else. I think that would make it a wide open competition. And then you could spread what is it, six six games, second round, third round, fourth round, quarterfinal, semi-final, final, with six games. You play six games in the group stage of a European competition. You could spread those six games across the whole season, make the final at the end of the season, maybe April or May, where it's actually, you know, a big deal, rather than putting it in February when she's so random for a final, major mm. final. And then you can spread the burden. You know, you don't have to suffocate the fixture list with, with every game in the first half of the season. We know who's in the semi-finals going into Christmas, which is silly. It should be across the whole whole season. And then maybe managers would take it more seriously. You know, I think that's why the FA Cup has a better chance because by the time it comes around in January, there's a lot of teams that are safe and can actually afford to give it more of a go, mm. you know? And then you'll find the ones that are still in the bottom three want to get out of the FA Cup ASAP they're still in the same problem but leaving it until January you get a lot more teams that that can give it a go and that's what I would like to see happen to it but as, as far as I'm concerned being in the Premier League especially we are literally just a number what can we possibly hope for to finish sixth seventh where West Ham are now mm. probably the best we can hope for on a regular basis um, and so we basically just make up the numbers so if you get rid of the League Cup or you don't even want to win it, then you're basically just saying we're only in it for the FA Cup every year, one competition. I mean, you don't don't half my chances of, of dreams. Man. <laughs> like, yeah, just, just give me more of a chance of winning something before I, you know I kick the bucket. Yeah, I just want to see some Fulham win a trophy that isn't as small as the Intertoto. I will say, Danny, you're sounding more like Jurgen Klopp as the days go by, just complaining about the fixture list constantly, but never mind. Anyway, we'll move on. I think, actually, that they've just lost 2-1 to Manchester United, which is even funnier right now. But anyway, let's move on, guys, because obviously last week it was 
the 30th anniversary of the Premier League. And in order to celebrate this, <laughs> marginally celebrate it, we're going to have Danny and Baldo just give their best goal, their best match, and their best 11 of the Premier League era. And I guess I'd like to start with you first, Baldo. So best goal, I think it... <sighs> I'm gonna I'm gonna ignore the Kasabi ones. I think that's the obvious one. So let's get the cliches out of the way. It's the and I'm gonna stick with the one and it's on my um, the about you page on the Full and Focus website, uh, fullandfocus.com. Um, and it's for me. It is Simon Davis's against West Brom just because I I just remember seeing it and where I was in the house with that big bang in line with it. And he just takes it from about thirty yards out, and just pings it into the top corner. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with that. It was against West Brom in the 2010-2011 season. In terms of best match, I don't know. I think just because of the emotion that was going into it and how nervous I was, it was very reminiscent of um, the game this Friday, as it went. I'm going to go for the 6-0 against QPR just because of the sheer relief. Because I think that was the first game we'd won that season. QPR had started somewhat better than us. And just the sheer emotion that came out of that game, you know, not, not only to beat them, but to trounce them in that in that scene. It was a wonderful Sunday. It was a wonderful Sunday afternoon. I, I had to go do because I was doing a radio show at that time with a QPR fan. So it was absolutely best, you know, one of the best days of my life. Um, at least supporting Fulham anyway. So I'm gonna go for that as my best match. Alright then, over to you, Danny. Yeah, over over to you, Danny. If if anyone's still bothering to listen, I think I think everyone switched off after hearing him say it wasn't Kasami. I, I mean I can't believe that. Like, <laughs> they played it on the screen um at the game and, and announced that you know we fans have voted it as the greatest Fulham goal of the Premier League era and every time I see it it just it gets better and better it just astonishes me how he did it um I mean I know you know Fulham has scored some great goals over the years but and and as you get older you know, the old goals get exaggerated how great they actually were. Um, but I don't believe Fulham have ever scored a goal better than that. I, I refuse to no, and it. the thing is, Danny, if, if if Gareth Bale scores that, everyone talks about it as one of the best goals. Or, or, you know, or if, if one of if Luis Suarez scores that, if Thierry Henry scores that, if Mohamed Salah scores that, it will go down it, in folklore as one of the best used, goals. It should be used on adverts for Sky to, uh, to advertise the beauty of the game. Um it is the greatest Premier League goal, full stop. And the fact that he didn't even win goal of the month at the time just shows you what a joke, you know, f- football is sometimes that it's so biased towards the big teams. Elitism, yeah, totally. Anyway, and I don't even think I'm being biased there. You know, I, I just don't see how people can't say that's the best. It, it was just incredible. And then we've got Baldo picking, what was it? Simon Davis against West Brom. Wow. Anyway, um, greatest football match. I'd love to go Old Trafford away because I was there. That was a joy. Uh, and I'd love to go Portsmouth, Murphy header, because that was the best feeling in the world. But I think for significance to our history, for drama, for the comeback, the injury time goal, everything, it has to be the Man City comeback for me. Man, Man City 2, Fulham 3 in the Great Escape. Nice. Uh, I think without that game, we don't end up going on to get to a European final. Probably you, we get relegated, we lose Roy Hodgson. God knows what happens. So for me, that that has to be seen as the greatest. Um, and then my 
all-time 11 with a couple of debatable positions, but pretty straightforward for me. 4-2-3-1, I'll go Van der Sar in goal, uh, Finnan right back, uh, Gomar and Hangeland in the middle, Koncheski left back, and there'll be a lot of fans screaming Rufus, uh, but I have done this purely on, if it's a Premier League 11, it has to be judged on Premier League games. And I think a lot of the good work Rufus did for us was pre-Premier League, getting us to the, to the top flight. So for me, it has to be Koncheski. Mm. Uh, Dembele and Murphy in the middle, Bauer on the left, Steed behind Luis Sahara up front, and Simon Davis on the right. You were struggling though, mate. You told me at one point you were really trying to get Clint Dempsey in there somehow. Did you? Did, where were it you just, thinking? Yeah, where you always played on the left midfield, well, mainly. Yeah. And unfortunately for him, he's always going to come off second best to Boa. So trying. I mean, it, it feels a bit strange not having someone who's your all-time Premier League goal scorer of fifty goals in there. Seems a bit silly to leave him out, but I just I just couldn't fit him in. I almost went with him behind behind Sahar, but it just didn't 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 look right. So yeah, unfortunately for Clint, he's just not not good as our bower. So there you are. That's that's my team anyway. And uh, Baldo, would you all agree with any of that? Or was there any sort of things that you'd flick around there? Uh no, I can't really find many. I can't really find many faults with that. I can't. No, I I generally can't. I think there are some. You know, just my my time coming into Fulham. Yeah. You know, I can't say anything about Rufus Brever because he'd gone by the time I by the time I started supporting. So I'll lean to Danny's knowledge on on a lot of this. You know, I was I came in after Steve Finn as well, so I'm just going to assume I'm just going to uh, bow to Danny's superior knowledge on this point. So, and I think in fairness, his team, I can't find many faults. I'd maybe change Musa Dem. I'd maybe change Musa Dembele, but other than that, I think that's that's probably it. Okay, nice, nice. All right, guys. Well, let, now we're going to quickly. Very briefly, because I don't want to spend too much time on this. Just talking about just the transfer speculation and stuff. In fact, I can probably do it. So basically, we're linked to Neil Mopé, Willian still, Justin Clivert still on the way. We've been recently linked to Justin Bowler. We've also been linked to, I think today, uh, Maitland Niles from Arsenal, who could play another sort of a new Bobby Reed role, but in a sort of younger form. He can play on the right midfield, but also right wing back sort of form. Um, Mopé, I think, would be a very good signing for us in terms of. Like, I mean, can you imagine him and Mitrovic playing up top together? I think it'd be the most the biggest tag team of shithouser I've ever seen in my life. But also, his pressing stats are very good, so he might work in a very good system under Marcus Silva, playing just behind Mitrovic as a second striker. Not necessarily your typical swap, you know, substitute. Um, but the most recent thing that's come out, and I just want to touch briefly on this with you, Danny, mate, is, and obviously to Bordeaux afterwards as well, is that it's been announced that Joe Bryan can is looking for another club and obviously today we've we've had a link to a a new left back from PSG who's actually turns 30 years old next week called um Levin Kazawa I probably murdered that name like I usually do every time but it's it, it just your thoughts on Joe Bryan leaving I think he deserves a leave I think he deserves a start and I just like what you'd rate his film career out of 10 if this is all true well I think it's very hard to dislike Joe Bryan I think he's a you know a Perfect pro, really. He's, he, he's got good banter, good personality. Um, I think he, he interacts with the fans really well. And he always tries his best. Um, you know, I think it is the right time for him to move on. Um, if he was going to stay, he is just a backup. And I think the way Robinson has upped his game, 
particularly defensively mm. in this opening start to the season. I think it's just made him further and further away from that first eleven. I just you just can't see Brian getting in that team now. So I think he's too good to sit on the bench, and he probably is a championship player. So a, a move to a, a top half championship team w- would be good for him and be a brilliant signing for the club that signs him. Uh, yeah, I can't, he gave us Wembley. We'll always have that. Always be grateful for that. But just in general, I think um, for young Fulham fans, I think he is the the perfect role model, and I think we've been lucky to have him at the club. You know, you, you want good footballers at the club, but you also want good people, and I think he's the perfect fit for us. So I wish him all the best. And if I was going to give him a rating out of ten, I'd probably go eight. I think he's been a good good service yeah. for them. I completely agree, and especially about the part of him being Mr. Fulham, just a, a really good egg, and just a, seems like just a really nice person to have in the dressing room. Baldo, your rating really quickly, mate. Uh, I think I, I think I'd I'd give an eight as well. I think you can't really compare him against the likes of you know we're talking about the all time great. You can't compare him against the likes of Konchesky and Brevikas. No, competition and who they had a chance to play against someone takes into take this into account but Brian you know, has been solid has had his moments but as Danny said gave us you know gave us Wembley and the fact that it was against in fact it was against that lot sort of adds to his legacy as it were so I think I think an eight I think an eight is fair yeah what a nice bookends actually to the pod uh, you know we start off beating Brentford now we're talking about Joe Bryan who obviously was in our greatest victory over Brentford that's really nice um, I, I say it's around to the pub we're going to talk about Arsenal and I, I say Joe Bryan's leaving we might actually find out he's going to sign a five year extension soon and this all looks like a complete shambles but it's quite no, no, nonetheless let's, let's let's move on really quickly just to Arsenal and we'll only talk about it for a couple of minutes because there's not much to say other than they're flying high and obviously you're going Danny with your kids and just generally your thoughts on this game and I'll move on to you Bordeaux mate I mean in the world of J-Mac that's just going to happen now, isn't it? You know, Brian, Brian's going to sign a 10 year <laughs> deal and he's going to get to 100 goals before Mitrovic. You know, that's something silly like that. It's going to be the complete opposite of what you yeah, just right. said. Uh, no, uh, listen, the Arsenal game, um, they've started well. They'll be favourites. It's going to be a tough game. We'll go there, do w- what we did in the first three games, no doubt. I think it will. We'll, have to be a little bit more cautious than we was at home to Liverpool. I think when you're away from home, you can't, you know, you haven't got the crowd on your side. So I think you have to be a bit more responsible, uh, disciplined in your positions. But no, I expect to lose, but I expect to come away with uh, our heads held high and a good effort. And I wouldn't be surprised if we don't lose. I wouldn't be surprised if we go there and get a draw or, or even a win. Might even get our first ever win away to Arsenal. You know, Mitch will get his 100th goal. Uh, you know, that, what, what a headline that'll be. But, you know, I don't think we can read too much into this game either way. Uh, the Brighton game is huge on the Tuesday. Um, and, yeah, I, I just as long as we come away with it, no injuries and um, a decent performance, I think I'll take that. Yeah, I mean, the phrase is, you know, twice the pride, double the fall. I, I, I'm feeling oddly confident about this ball, though, even though they're top of the table and haven't lost a game and seem to be sweeping teams aside. Um, I, I don't know. I, I can't really... 
I can see us getting a draw somehow in this. I, I don't know why. I, I feel like we could just be a little hiccup for them. And I can see actually some of their fans on social media think this will actually be a tough game. It's very refreshing, isn't it, to actually know that we're a good side so far. I know it's only been three games, but still, it's, it's just nice to know that it, we actually, people are respecting us a lot more in, in compared to previous ones. Just your thoughts on Arsenal, Paul, though. Yeah, I, I I very much agree with that. I can see a draw coming out of this. You know, last start of the season, do I, you know, I compare I compare it to Liverpool, but they've just lost to Manchester United. And I think, oh, if we can perform this well against a good against a good Liverpool side, then against Arsenal we should be able to hold our own. You know, but whether or not Liverpool are actually just worse than we imagine is a different matter. Whereas, as you say, Arsenal have been flying. I think we will give a decent account of ourselves, and I think that's really all we can hope for. You know, as I said, we sort of started. We've got you've got more points than I think most people would imagine at this point. So I'm not saying that Arsenal are a free hit, as it were, and it's just going to be about damage limitations. You know, as I hint about uh, maybe Manchester City, mm. but I do think that we are going to go into this game with a lot more confidence and with a with a with a decent chance of getting something. You know, whether or not it does prove out that oh, these are just you know a couple of you know we did happen to get a bad Liverpool side and that's why we were able to draw Wolves uh, are a goodish side. They look at um, no, Hounslow Town, we should be beating them. But now we've got an actual proper challenge against a side who are, who are performing very well. So I think this will be probably, you know, a, a good test for us to see where we are. If we can just perform just perform well again against them, now, even if we come out with maybe a 1-0 loss or a 2-1 loss, then that will give us the confidence to say, right, we can actually, you know, be a steady and a and a competitive team all the way th- all the way throughout the season, so it should be interesting. But you know, what? I'm going to be positive and I'm going to say I think we could we might sneak a draw out of this. I think we might. Yeah, I think if we can play the same way we played against Liverpool, um, just very compact and just like you know don't mess around with passing from the back ourselves, then it might be all right. It might be all right. I think I think um, the the way to approach the game is to, to show Arsenal that we're not frightened of them. Mm. Um, they're not going to have everything their own way. Frustrate them. We need to get in their heads. We need to bring, you know, in a way, it sounds, it sounds like I'm saying we're a dirty team. We're not a dirty team. But we need to bring them down to our level where they're getting frustrated. They're lashing out. You know, yeah. we want it to become a battle. We don't want them to think it's going to be a nice, easy game. I mean, they're going to be thinking to themselves at the moment that they're the real deal. But in reality, their last game... Bournemouth, was it? Am I right in saying Bournemouth didn't have a touch in the opposition's box? Sounds about right, actually. Yeah, I, I think well, I've heard along those lines. So they, they basically had everything their own way, and I, I think it's been that way pretty much in in their first opening three games. I don't think they've been tested yet. So I'm not saying we are going to be their hardest game of the season so far, but if we can show them that they're not going to have it all their own way, and they're actually going to have to work hard for this. They're a fragile animal, you know. They're not. A, they're not champions of anything. They're still quite a young team, and the crowd have been here many times. If they go into half time and it's nil nil, and they're not playing that well, you know, I don't think it will take much for the crowd to start getting nervous because they're going to be expecting to win. Uh, so I think that's our best chance, and and that's what I fully expect Silver to do more of the Liverpool tactics. Yeah. Because it worked with them. Well, hopefully something comes good from it, mate. I, I have a lot of faith in this team, more than I've ever had 
ever actually so I'm, I'm really i'm really enjoying it and i'm really enjoying speaking to you both i haven't spoken to either of you individually or together as a group for a while so i'll, I'll call it a day there thank you very much to my co-host thank you very much to you guys listening at home if you like what we're here please keep following us keep subscribing keep getting in touch with our twitter page our instagram page and our facebook page and we'll be back we'll be back with a reaction to brighton next week thank you hey.